Welcome to the Investigation Guru, where real-life PIs Sean and Dana bring you to the darker side of true crime investigations. Stories so horrific, it's hard to believe they actually happened. But truth is often darker than fiction. Real life can sometimes involve lies, betrayal, abduction, and even torture and death. These stories will take you on a journey through some of the world's darkest and most notorious true crime investigations. The Investigation Guru starts now. Here's Sean and Dana. Hello and welcome to the Investigation Guru podcast. This is the official podcast for Red Door Investigations. My name is Sean and in this episode we're going to discuss the horrifying case of Lori Daybell, her new husband Chad, and her two children JJ and Tylee. If you're new to the show, welcome and thank you so much for giving up a small slice of your day to sit in our little corner of the true crime universe. So without further ado, let's get to it. Here's the story of Lori and Chad Daybell. A little bit of background on Lori. Uh, Lori Noreen Daybell, a.k.a. Lori Vallow Daybell, was born Lori Noreen Cox on June 26, 1973 in San Bernardino, California. Lori went through several iterations of marriage um, throughout the course of her life. Uh, we're going to talk about kind of each in turn because each of these marriages is really kind of a, a good way to break down really the timeline of this story. Um, it, it defines very significant periods of her life, like, like it does for everyone, I assume. But uh, I, when we were researching this, it, it quickly became apparent that this is a very good way to kind of section off the divisions of her life and make it that much easier to explain when and where things were happening. Uh, this is a very, very complicated case with a lot of um, a lot of players, if you will. There's a lot of different people, a lot of different things happening, a lot of people dying, a lot of people connected from one person to the next. So it's it, it was a very good way to kind of uh, categorize the really the divisions of this case and make it that much easier to hopefully explain to where this makes a little bit more sense. Um, if you haven't heard about this case, uh, again, it's it's quite a quite a doozy. There's a lot of um, a lot of different people, a lot of names to keep up with. So uh, this is, you know, really one that we kind of toyed back and forth with about maybe even making a video about this because it helps to kind of put a face to the name uh, just to help and ease of, you know, keeping track of who everyone is and, and how they relate to each other. But we decided to go ahead and put this on the podcast because uh, there's been uh, so many things about this case already that make it it's it's becoming quite saturated. So we wanted to kind of get in before it really became overwhelming. And, uh, you know, this case is even going on to this day. So, you know, they're in court now or the trial has been scheduled. We'll talk more about that toward the end of the of the episode. But uh, this this case is not is not concluded yet. So there is more stuff coming out. And if there's, you know, something big that comes out after this uh, episode is posted, we will be sure to kind of revisit this in fill you guys in on what exactly has happened since uh since we aired this okay a little bit of uh background on Lori. all right uh her first marriage at the age of 19 uh Lori married her high school boyfriend nelson yanes in 1992 this was uh her very first marriage and not a whole lot is really known about but old Nelson, but uh, we do know that they ended in divorce shortly afterwards. There's a couple of different dates online, and none of them really seem to agree. But we do know that this marriage did not did not last more than a couple of years. So it was a very short. You know, they were young. There was no way to really 
nail down a kind of a final time of of the divorce. So we didn't run, we didn't want to put out any kind of incorrect information. So we're just going to say that it ended in divorce shortly afterwards. At the age of 22, she married her second husband, William LaJoya, L-O-G-I-O-I-A. Almost positive I'm not pronouncing that correctly. Uh, William LaJoya on October 22nd, 1995. Uh, William and Lori Lori had a son uh, named Colby. This was her firstborn child. Uh, He was born in 1996. And William and Lori divorced on February 25th of 1998. Her third marriage was in 2001 to Joseph Anthony Ryan Jr. And Ryan legally adopted Colby. Uh, The couple's biological daughter, Tylee, was born in 2002. So Tylee was uh, Joseph Ryan's biological daughter. Uh, Ryan filed for divorce on August 13th, 2004, and was finalized on May 18th of 2005. In 2007, Ryan was attacked by Lori's brother, Alex, who tased and threatened to murder him based on allegations of abuse to Lori and the children. Now, Alex was not a very nice guy. Um, Alex is going to come up several times during this episode. Uh, He attacks and murders at least two different people, um, but we are going to revisit Alex and he will become quite a big player throughout the course of this study of the story. Cox pled guilty and was sentenced to 90 days in jail for this attack and five years of probation. Joseph Ryan died, quote unquote, mysteriously on April 3rd, 2018 of an apparent heart attack. And it wouldn't surprise me in the least if Alex was responsible for this as well. Um, Alex really kind of, Alex almost had a, almost a vengeance on a couple of Lori's husbands. Not sure exactly what the nature of of these were if Lori was involved. That's still kind of one of these things that is um, up for debate and it's kind of working its way through the courts now. But Alex and several of Lori's husbands uh, really kind of don't get along. So Ryan was kind of really the first one where Alex became involved. Um, But uh, Alex, again, is going to come up several times during the course of this episode. So remember, remember old Alex. He's, he's going to. We're going we're gonna to talk about him again. On February 24th, 2006, Lori married her fourth husband, Leland Anthony Charles Vallow. His name was Leland Anthony, but he went by Charles. Uh, Charles had two sons from a previous marriage, Nicholas and Zachary Chase. Charles Vallow uh, was a member of the Catholic Church, but later converted to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and became a Mormon to be more in line with Lori's beliefs. Lori was apparently a very, very devout Mormon, and she would become even more devout later on in her life. Uh, the, this uh, kind of religious end-of-times belief thing, this is going to be an, another big big part in Lori's um, story arc, and is going to really kind of flavor and, and paint the picture of, of who she ultimately becomes, and it's going to bring her in line with some very, very unusual, non-traditional religious beliefs, again, that are going to play Uh, a bigger part later on. Uh, In 2013, the couple adopted Valo's grandnephew, JJ, before moving to Kauai in Hawaii in late 2014. So JJ was Charles's sister's grandson. Charles's sister is going to come up again later on in the episode as well. So I don't know if you want to keep a, you know, a a diagram. I should probably put something in the show notes that, that help you guys kind of illustrate. Maybe I'll put some pictures up so you guys can kind of see that and uh, 
be able to put a face to a name and that'll help you really kind of follow along in this story because again there's there's so many different people and so many convoluted story arcs and you know this person is meeting with this person and this person died and they they were last seen with this person etc that it's really hard to kind of keep all of these together it took us a little while to to research this episode which is why there's been a little bit more of a gap between the last episode and this one just because it's it took us so long to really kind of iron out the details and get it straight for ourselves. So hopefully that um, we're able to kind of explain this in a way that helps you understand and helps you be able to keep track and follow kind of the arc of the story. Uh, Lori became obsessed with a series of books by a man named Chad Daybell, who would later become her fifth husband called Standing in Holy Places. So Chad was really kind of this end of times author and he had a series called Standing in Holy Places, and th- this, these books were really based on, um, they're, they're kind of like the Left Behind series, if you're familiar with that, um, where, you know, the end of times, the end of the world, where all, you know, the apocalypse is happening and things like that. So he really kind of painted his own version of, of what the end of the world and what the end times were going to entail. So Lori read these books and just swam inside of them. She really agreed with this. These books really resonated with her for whatever reason. And uh, she really became, a lot of friends called it obsessed um, with, with Chad and with the stories that he, that he was able to tell. Lori and Chad and the family moved to Arizona in 2016. And while in Arizona, Lori and her friend Melanie Gibb, who Lori would later attempt to get to lie to police about the whereabouts of JJ. Again, that will come up later. So remember Melanie Gibb. Melanie and Lori attended a Preparing the People event where they met Daybell for the first time. So this was kind of a, uh, an event along the lines with uh, with Chad's series of books. And he was very, very quite popular within the uh, Latter-day Saints community and very popular with uh, a, a certain small circle of very devoted um, people. At this event, uh, Daybell apparently told Lori that they had been married seven times in previous lives. So this, again, was kind of a theme that, that Chad had within his books. You know, uh, when I was researching this, it, it kind of almost seemed very Scientology-esque. If you're not aware of some of the beliefs of Scientology, uh, there's a lot of space themes and a lot of, you know, we've been around for, you know, millions and billions of years and aliens come into play. And there was a lot of, of that type of stuff going on with the, with these uh, stories that Chad posted. He was very big on past lives and, you know, thinking that, you know, we each had our own planet. Uh, the very, very not really mainstream types of thoughts and uh he wrote about these these ideas and again you know they they resonated with quite a bit of people chad was chad was a pretty successful pretty successful author uh Daybell also stayed uh, at the valos home in arizona for kind of this weekend retreat um where a lot of people kind of got together and Lori basically hosted this uh this just get together this party in chad's honor uh both gib and Lori hosted Daybell and a few other believers so again it was it wasn't really a workshop, so to speak. It was it was more of just kind of a get together where they could all just kind of gather around and let Chad kind of il- illuminate them in the glory of his ideas, so to speak. Uh, during this weekend, Daybell lavished attention on Lori and expounded on his religious beliefs and how others were either light or dark or various shades in between. And he was very big on on identifying people as demonic or as angelic. And the the demonic people, the evil people, he called dark. And the dark people were from this earth, 
but were followers of Satan. So he thought that he could, you know, be able to identify and tell the good people from the bad people. The dark people followed Satan and were of this earth, and the light people were from outside of this earth and were followers of Jesus Christ. So Chad thought that he could identify people and their their goodness or their holiness simply on sight. And again, the bad people he called dark, the good people he called light. Chad referred to Lori as a, quote, eternal being who had lived 21 separate lives on various Earth-like planets, while Daybell himself had lived 31 separate lives on different planets. So again, kind of this planetary space theme coming by, you know, previous lives. We've all been through, you know, different iterations, different, um, different reincarnations, and we all originate. We, we, you know, we're assigned a planet and all of this type of stuff. Lori became obsessed with this belief system and uh, d- developed an almost singular attention to Chad and his kind of this this school of thought, this this belief about, uh, you know, our, our origins and what's going to happen to us at the end and all of this type of stuff. So Lori was very, very attached, very, very in to Chad's system of belief and this whole preparing the people, you know, almost kind of a doomsday prepperish, you know, we all have to get get ready for the second coming of Christ and Again, this is going to come up later on in the episode. Uh, Lori and Chad appeared on a Preparing the People podcast together on December 5th, 2018, titled Time to Warrior Up. Uh, we tried to find this this episode, but it's been kind of pulled down. We weren't able to locate any any reference to this or even be able to listen to it. Apparently, the, the host um, pulled that episode from, from circulation. But uh, this the entire podcast was kind of, again, devoted to these end times beliefs that this, you know, the end of the world and how how we're supposed to prepare for the second coming of Christ. And uh, these types of beliefs, really, they were, I mean, these people are very, very devoted. They're very, very into, you know, giving up things and preparing everything and making preparations and making sure that they are, they are ready and they're pure and all of this. So Lori's fifth marriage. Uh, again, we're going to forgive me for, for kind of jumping ahead, but uh, Lori's fourth, we're, we're going to talk about what Charles Vallow and what happened to him and, and how the, that Lori's fourth marriage to Charles kind of ended. Again, Alex is going to come into play, but uh, in the nature of keeping, keeping these, these marriages kind of in line, uh, we're going we're gonna to kind of jump ahead to Lori's fifth marriage, which was, which was to Chad Daybell in Hawaii on November 5th, 2019. And this occurred only two weeks after the death of Chad's wife, Tamara Daybell. So Chad's current wife, while all of this was going on, uh, her name was Tammy Daybell, and she died mysteriously as well. Again, a lot of kind of suspicious deaths. And we're, we're going to get into this in a little bit more detail. But again, to just kind of introduce the timeline for Lori's background and, and how each of these marriages is almost kind of a very good demarcation of, of where things occur in this story, it's going to help a lot to kind of keep the timeline in sync. So forgive me for that jump, but it's necessary to kind of establish where she was and a very good, a very good marker for where she was and what was going on in her life is kind of the, these marriage chapters, if you will. Okay. So two weeks after Chad's wife, Tammy dies, he marries Lori. All right. So we're, we're all on the same page on that. Okay, good. So let's talk about Chad's background a little bit. Um, in, in, in this background, again, we're going to kind of address some of the things that 
we've already talked about before. And a lot of these, as we kind of get to the the different happenings of what's going on within these two separate lives that essentially kind of come together, Chad and Lori, and a lot of you know the things that, that happen to each of them outside of their relationship kind of almost merge and mysteriously match up. So there, there's a lot more going on between Chad and Lori than I think we, we really know and has been made public because too many things, too many coincidences between Chad's background and especially there towards the end and Lori's background right before they met, they match up pretty well. So a lot of things that, that were happening with Chad and his marriage to Tammy also were happening to Lori and her marriage to Charles. Again, I told you this is a very complicated case, so I'm trying to break it down as, as best that I can so that you don't get lost and overwhelmed simply in all of the different timelines and all of the different names and how each of these two separate worlds are going to finally come together and merge. All right, so we just finished with Lori's background, her five marriages, so now let's move on to Chad. All right, Chad Guy Daybell was born on August 11th, 1968 in Provo, Utah. He married Tamara Douglas on March 9th, 1990 in Manti, Utah. So he was born in 1968, married Tammy in 1990. Chad and Tammy had five children together. Garth, Emma, Seth, Leah, and Mark. Chad graduated from Brigham Young University in 1992, which if you don't know about Brigham Young, it's a very, very big uh, Mormon college in Utah. He earned a BA in journalism, and uh, we actually found that he worked uh, for a pretty short time as a grave digger, which we thought was really pretty interesting. Um, That's kind of an unusual occupation. In 2004, he founded Spring Creek Book Company with his business partner, a man only known as Douglas, which we assumed was his his last name. I never found a first name for Douglas, but uh, the uh, the partnership between them, Chad kind of did the ideas, and Douglas kind of worked the the marketing and the the background, the, all of the legal stuff that is involved with the, with running a business. Uh, this book company was devoted to publishing books on the end times. So Chad really kind of founded a company around his his own publication around his own ideas. And so anybody who was, you know, really big into writing about the end times, they would send it to this book company and they would get published. Chad would later write his own books on the subject, which is, again, how he ultimately met Lori. Uh, you know, these, these preparing the people events and this, uh, this kind of end time series that he was, that really made him famous is what brought him and Lori together. Lori read his book, wanted to meet him, Lori and Melanie went to that event, and uh, that's, again, where they met Chad for the first time. And then after that, Lori and Chad uh, really began corresponding and talking and becoming that much closer. In 2015, he claimed to hear a voice that told him to relocate to Rexburg, Idaho. In June of that year, he and Tammy relocated to Springville. And I, I have a note here, you know, why, if, if he found a if he heard a voice telling him to relocate to Rexburg, why did he and Tammy not relocate to Wex- Rexburg? They went to, they went to Springville, which was unusual, I thought. All right, the murder of Charles Vallow. Charles Vallow, again, Lori's fourth husband. In February two, 2019, Lori informed Charles that, quote, she no longer cared about him or JJ, end quote. She further claimed to be the reincarnated wife of Joseph Smith, who was the founder of the Mormon Church. 
and then took off and vanished for 58 days. Where she went, what she was doing during these 58 days, no one knows. Um, There's no real synopsis. There's no real any kind of evidence or theories as to what she was doing and where she was, where she was, who she was with. Um, She was just gone. Charles had no idea where she went. She had the children had no idea where their mother was. Uh, She was just gone. I'm I'm going to assume go out on a limb and assume that uh, old Chad had something to do with that. They were probably together, if I had to guess. That same month, Charles filed for divorce, stating that Lori had, quote, threatened to murder him if he got in the way of her preparations for Christ's second coming, which Lori, according to Lori, was scheduled for July of 2020. So again, she was really starting to become obsessive about these end of times, about the second coming of Christ. And again, these preparations. And, you know, I I kind of thought of it almost like a, a doomsday prepper type thing where they had to get all of their stuff in line and all of their, you know, preparations made so that they could be on kind of the welcoming end when Jesus returned to earth, which they thought was going to happen in July of 2020. She then withdrew $35,000 from Charles's business account and stole his truck. Charles filed an order of protection against Lori, citing, quote, a genuine fear for his life. Charles Vallow was then shot and killed in Chandler, Arizona by Lori's brother, Alex, on July 11, 2019. Told you Alex was going to come up again. Alex claimed self-defense after claiming that Charles came after him with a baseball bat after Alex confronted Charles over alleged abuses towards Lori. So I don't know if Lori was crying to Alex that Charles was abusing her and wanted Alex to kind of either scare Charles or try and even perhaps kill him. But uh, Charles struck me as a really almost a a nice, upstanding guy that, you know, adored Lori and and took as good care of her as she he possibly could. Um, But uh, Charles was was a a rather big guy. And uh, Lori was, you know, went off crying to Alex. And Alex was, again, kind of this bad boy that uh, had a propensity for violence. And I don't know if Lori was the instigator of this or not. Um, There weren't any really any approaches that were put out there on any of the sources that we checked, but it would kind of make sense to me that, that Lori probably had a hand in Charles's death. Uh, in response to this threat with the bat, Alex went and got his gun out of his car and shot Charles dead. So according to Alex, Charles had this baseball bat that he was threatening Lori with. Alex stepped in and said, hey man, don't do that to my sister. Charles got angry, started coming after Alex. Alex went and got his gun and killed Charles in self-defense. Both JJ and Tylee were were present. They they were there. Um, whether or not they saw the actual shooting uh, is is up for debate as well. But we do know that JJ and Tylee were present for their father's murder. Uh, Lori notifies Charles's sons from another marriage of their father's death via text message. So Lori sends Charles's sons a text message saying, your father is, is, is no longer with us. Hope everything is, is fine. Let me know if you need anything. But she didn't call them. She didn't, you know, invite them back. She just sent them a text saying that their father was dead. Uh, of course, <laughs> the children were, were wondering what the hell. And they started calling, you know, what happened? How did he die? You know, I'm freaking out that their father is dead and their, their stepmother is sending them a text message letting them know. That's just very not cool. You don't send 
someone's children a, a text message that their father has died, you you know at least have the heart or the wherewithal to call them, let them know. And so you know they're they're calling her and texting her and trying to find out, get some answers as to what happened to their father. He was there one day, and the next he's dead. And Lori's dodging their calls, and Lori's not responding to their text messages, and uh, they just really want to know really what happened. So after his death, it was brought to light that Charles was primarily concerned about JJ's safety and well-being, as JJ was autistic and had special needs. He couldn't include Tylee in these filings because she was really not his biological daughter, even though he feared for her as well. And again, I, th- I thought this was really unusual. Um, he, I don't know what the laws are like in, in the state of Arizona, but I, I, I can't imagine that the police, in, you know, if you're filing an order of protection against your insane wife and you fear for your safety and the safety of your children, I don't understand what biology really has to do with it. Uh, Lori learned that Charles had recently changed the beneficiary of his $1 million life insurance policy to his sister, Kay Woodstock, who was JJ's paternal grandmother. So uh, Kay was Charles's sister and JJ's grandmother. So again, I told you that Charles and Lori had adopted JJ, who was Charles's grandnephew. Hope that makes sense. <laughs> uh, Lori was furious that at the last minute, Charles had um, basically removed her from his will, probably because she was crazy and he feared for his life and the life of his children. But uh, Lori found out shortly after his death that, you know, she was not going to get paid. And she started to send Kay these text messages that tried to play on her sympathies about how Lori was left with the children and had, quote, nothing to show for it. So Lori... Upon Charles's death, I guess Lori thought she was going to get paid, and uh, the joke was on her. Charles had switched the beneficiary at the last minute because, again, he had filed this order of protection against Lori, thinking that she was going to hurt or possibly have something to do with his death. And lo and behold, it was her brother that killed Charles. So again, this kind of, again, plays into this, this scenario that perhaps Lori had something to do with it, not only with Charles's death, but also with Joseph Ryan, her previous husband's attack and ultimate kind of mysterious death that, you know, we think that Alex probably also had something to do. So Alex is kind of quickly becoming a person of of interest, uh, whether, you know, almost kind of like her little muscle henchman, you know, he's going to do what she wants him to do and carry out, you know, her, her wishes, so to speak. Uh, but, uh, Again, there's no there's no real hard evidence that this is exactly what happened. Uh, Alex claimed self-defense and the, the police bought that. Again, you know, Charles was quite a big guy and he, you know, if someone comes at you with a baseball bat, then you have the right to defend yourself. Now, whether or not this is actually what happened, that's, again, something that, you know, is, is working its way through the courts now. But Lori was pretty pissed off that, that she was not going to get going to get this money. So once she found out that Kay, who was Charles's sister, was going to get paid, then Lori started coming after her as well. Not really coming after her, but she started really harassing her and sending her all kinds of messages and, and calling her and, letting, you know, trying to play on, on her guilt that, you know, well, I have all these, all these children to take care of and, you know, I, I needed that money. And all right. So Lori's end of time beliefs. Both Lori and Chad Daybell were obsessed with the end times beliefs common in some Christian faith. Now, this wasn't really, you know, the the more the religious side that a lot of many Christians believe. 
this was very, very fringe and very, very extreme. Uh, again, almost deadline obsession with the end of times. And they thought that it was impending and it was, it was coming within the next year. Um, if you're, if you're a Christian and you follow, you know, Christ, then a, a big teaching in the Bible is that no one knows when the end of times is going to happen. No one knows when Christ will return. But again, kind of like a lot of different, I don't want to call them cults, but that that's, that's exactly what they are. Um, a lot of these types of cults seem to think that they, they know when the world is going to end. And it's, it's happened time and time again, you know, they've made these predictions and that day comes and goes, and then they either move the goalposts and rearrange their predictions, or they completely disappear off the face of the earth once they've been kind of outed as as frauds. But uh, June 2020 came around, and the world didn't end, and we're not really sure exactly how Lori and Chad kind of rationalized that, but uh, all of these preparations and all of these very, very fervent beliefs that they held in kind of these end, end times and um, the idea that they knew when this was going to happen and they had to make all of these preparations, it consumed a great deal of their of their existence. Chad again wrote many books about this topic and again was, was quite famous um, in certain circles. Uh, these beliefs were really what brought Lori and Chad together. Lori found the book, bought the book, read the book, and it really resonated with her. And so she kind of became consumed by it. Uh, Chad and Lori also appeared on several podcast episodes. Uh, some of the question whether or not they were kind of actively in, in, in a cult, whether this was, you know, cult-like behavior. It certainly fit the description. It certainly seemed to, you know, deny outsiders. They, they you know, the only people who really had the answers were those who were within the group. Uh, so it, it meets a lot of cult-type behaviors. Even even kind of withdrawing from from other family, you know, Lori vanished for those 58 days and she, uh, you know, became insular. She she insulated herself and began withdrawing from Charles and Charles was kind of wondering, you know, what's going on and, you know, thinking that maybe she was unhappy or that there was a problem in their marriage. And it turns out there was so very, very cult like in its existence. Vala's niece, Melanie, now this was not the Melanie that was her friend that kind of introduced Lori to these end times beliefs in the, the world of Chad Daybell, but Vala also had a niece named Melanie, and she and Melanie, again, kind of bonded over these end times beliefs as well. So we kind of got the background between Lori and Chad and what brought them together and how they were really in sync and this whole idea that uh, this whole end times belief system that really kind of brought Lori and Chad within the same orbit of each other. All right. Disappearance of the children. Tylee Ashlyn Ryan was born September 24th, 2002. And Joshua Jackson J.J. Vallow was born May 25th, 2012. They went missing in September of 2019 and were found deceased in June of 2020. Chad and Lori told many people that Tylee had died in 2017 and that Lori had no other minor children, which was, of course, a lie. So Chad and Lori, after all of these things happened and the disappearance of the children, then when they went off on their own, they started telling people that, you know, Tylee was, had died uh, almost two and a half, three years before she was actually found and that they weren't, 
you know, hindered or, or attached to any other children because Lori didn't have any, which was simply not true. JJ was last seen alive on September 23rd, 2019 at Rexburg's Kennedy Elementary School. A doorbell video of JJ playing with a friend is actually the last video taken of him. And it was kind of in their apartment complex. One of their neighbors, uh, their, their doorbell video showed JJ playing with one of the neighbor kids. And that's the last known video taken of JJ. JJ was initially reported missing by relatives who were concerned about the children when they hadn't heard from them in weeks. So again, you know, leading the charge was, was Kay, who was JJ's grandmother. And she said, you know, I, I haven't heard from JJ or, or, or Tylee in, in weeks. What's going on? And she, you know, relentlessly messaged Lori and Charles and trying to find out exactly what's going on. Where's my grandchild? Um, I haven't had any contact with them. That, that's very, very unusual. Where, where are they? Lori returned uh, JJ's service dog, Bailey, to Dog Training Elite, Arizona, on August 30th, 2019, citing a, quote, change in circumstances. So around this time, JJ had the last video taken of him. JJ's service dog, who he had because, again, he was autistic and had special needs, Lori returned his service dog to the people that they got him from. And this apparently is very, very unusual. People don't really return service dogs they're they're very highly trained and they're very in touch and in tune with the people that they are serving and so it's it's very very hard and takes quite a bit of time for these bonds to develop and it's almost unheard of for someone to return a service dog it just doesn't really happen all that much so this again kind of got the attention of these dog trainers the dog training elite arizona and they thought that that was extremely unusual Kylie was last seen alive in Yellowstone National Park with her mother and her uncle Alex on September 8th, 2019. So Alex, again, present. Uh, Bad things tend to happen when our boy Alex is around. So the last time that Kylie is seen alive is at Yellowstone National Park. And she was on vacation with her mom and her uncle. In October of 2019, one month after she was last seen alive, two Venmo payments were made from Tylee's account to her older half-brother, Colby. One was sent on October 10th, 2019 with a message that read, We love you. And the second was sent on October 16th, 2019 with a heart emoji. So if you don't know anything about Venmo, Venmo is kind of this app that you can use to send money to loved ones. And when you send a payment, you have to include a message. And these were... These messages and these payments were sent after Tylee went missing. So I don't know. It it kind of seems a little bit like Lori might have sent those to almost give sort of an alibi um, to make it seem that, you know, Tylee was still was still with us. um, But Tylee was not. Colby said that he had not heard from Tylee since the October text. So these these Venmo payments was the last time that Colby heard from Tylee or from Tylee's account. After text messaging Tylee indicating that he was worried, he received responses from Tylee's cell phone indicating that she was safe but too busy to talk. Again, uh, it seems very, very fishy and very, very likely that maybe... Lori sent those in response to make it seem like Tylee was still alive, uh, but uh, she wasn't. After repeated calls to Tylee went unanswered, Colby reported that he became more worried. He even took to YouTube to plead with his mother to turn over his siblings or to help explain what happened to them. So 
Colby is becoming more and more concerned. He, he and Tylee were apparently pretty close and he hasn't heard her voice in months. All he has is kind of these vague text messages and these couple of Venmo payments. And, you know, every time he tries to call or every time he tries to text, uh, he gets a response that she's too busy to talk. And this is almost always not a good sign. Colby really thought that something is not right. So he's he's trying to get in touch with his mother and he's, you know, she's not answering him. She's dodging everyone's phone calls. She's dodging everyone's text messages. And so he even took to YouTube and tried to plead with her to, you know, what is going on? I, you know, let me talk to Tylee. So the you know Lori is is really kind of starting to again withdraw from from her family and trying to make it seem like Tylee is still around but is not able to produce her and this will again come back to haunt her later on down the line. Uh, Tylee is believed to have died on September ninth, two thousand nineteen, and JJ is believed to have died on September twenty third, two thousand nineteen. In November of 2019, police questioned Lori about her children's whereabouts and welfare. So again, you know, JJ's grandmother worried about JJ and trying to get in touch with him, trying to get in touch with, with Lori and asking what's going on. You know, I want to talk to my grandson. And Colby is pressuring everyone to, you know, find out where Tylee is. Lori can't produce either one of them because they have both died. Lori and Chad claim that JJ was staying with a family friend, Melanie Gibb, in Arizona, where they had lived prior to moving to Idaho in early September 2019. So again, Melanie is the one who really introduced Lori to Chad. And this whole preparing the people, this whole end times belief. Remember, we were talking about Melanie earlier. I said she would come up again. Lori really kind of as as almost kind of a last ditch effort said, oh yeah, JJ is staying with our friend Melanie. And uh, she's been up there you know, for a couple of months now. but. Uh, Melanie said that when police called her to check out Lori's story that J.J. was with her, uh, Gibb told police that Joshua was not with her and that she had not seen him for several months. So Lori kind of threw her friend under the bus and said, yeah, J.J. is up there with, with, uh, with our friend. But uh, when police called to question that, wondering where these children are, um, Melanie said, no, I haven't seen him. He's not here. I don't know what she's talking about. Over a week later, Gibb called police and told him that both Lori and Chad had asked her to lie to police about JJ's whereabouts, but she refused. So Lori and Chad called her and told her, if you hear from the police about, you know, JJ, can you, can you do us a solid and tell them that he's with you? And of course, she refused to do that. When police began to investigate, they discovered that JJ's older sister, Tylee, was also missing. So Tylee and JJ were missing at the same time. JJ last seen at his elementary school, Tylee last seen at Yellowstone National Park with her mother and her uncle. A storage locker rented by Lori in October 2019 contained items belonging to or related to her children, such as clothing, bikes, and photographs. So Lori rented this storage unit and put JJ and Tylee's stuff in there. Don't know why. It sounds very, very fishy and suspicious. Uh, most parents, especially parents whose children are missing, want to keep their personal belongings. That is very, very odd and very, very unusual and very, very suspicious. Uh, she rented a storage locker and took all of their stuff out of their rooms, out of their house apartment, and put it in a storage locker. The locker was abandoned by Lori when she suddenly left Rexburg, Idaho at the end of November 2019. Video footage shows Lori and her brother Alex moving items in and out of the storage locker, many of which belonged to Tylee and JJ. 
So Lori and our boy Alex, again, moving stuff in and out of this storage locker that uh, Lori had rented and contained only items of Tylee and JJ's. At the request of JJ's grandmother, Kay Woodcock, the police visited Lori Rexburg Idaho townhouse on November 26th to conduct a welfare check on JJ, but Vallow told police that JJ was in Arizona with family. That night, a neighbor saw Lori and her brother Alex packing a truck outside of her home. This was probably again when they started transporting these items to the storage locker. The next day, the police and the FBI arrived at the home to search for the children or any evidence of what may have happened to them. When they got there, they found that the house had been abandoned. Investigators also searched Chad's house to no avail. So, Lori, Alex, and potentially there's a third person in the video of the storage locker that a lot of people think is Chad. And so we're, we're just going to assume that it's Chad. So we've got Lori, we've got Alex, and we've got Chad moving JJ and Tylee's stuff from their home into a storage locker. A few days later, they go to the storage locker, they, return, they retrieve a couple of items, and then they return them back later on. This is very, very, very unusual, very, very odd. Then when police finally start to investigate, they go to Lori and Chad's house, and the house has been abandoned. From December 2019 through January of 2020, the Rexburg Police, the Fremont County Sheriff's Office, and the FBI intensified their investigation into the disappearances of the two children, as well as the flight of Chad and Lori Daybell from Idaho. So Chad and Lori flee Idaho which is the last known place that their children were found, and they take off to Hawaii. Both Colby and JJ's grandparents pleaded with the Daybells to return the children with the letter offering a reward of $20,000. So again, JJ's grandparents, who was Charles Vallow's sister and her husband, remember, they even offered a reward of $20,000. So Colby's looking for Tylee, and Woodcocks are looking for JJ. Investigators quickly concluded that, quote, Joshua and Tylee's lives are in danger, end quote, and that the, quote, children are not with Lori and Chad. Lori knows where they are or what has happened to them, but she has completely refused to assist this investigation, choosing instead to leave the state with her new husband, end quote. Chad and Lori's attorney made the following statement, quote, Chad Daybell was a loving husband, and he has the support of his children in this matter. Lori Daybell is, de- is a devoted mother, and she resents assertions to the contrary. We look forward to addressing the allegations once they have moved beyond speculation and rumor. End quote. Okay, so we are, hopefully we're kind of all on the same page. Uh, JJ and Tylee are now missing, presumed dead. Lori and Charles rented that storage locker, put JJ and Tylee's belongings in that storage locker, packed up, and abandoned their house, and took off for Kauai, Hawaii, which is where Lori and Charles had lived for a short period of time. All right, so that's where we are kind of in the timeline here. All right, again, there are many, many suspicious deaths in this case. Lori had kind of this halo of death surrounding her. And again, Alex is going to have a hand in in many of these mishaps. Um, Alex if in doubt, we just kind of attributed them to Alex's doing because he had so much going on and he had so much of so much of the evidence is going to point towards Alex and the, the fact that he the, the same person, kind of the same M.O. And uh, Alex is known to have 
done many of of these kind of weird suspicious deaths so let's let's keep alex in the in the front of our minds Lori's estranged husband Charles Vallow was shot and killed in July 2019 by Lori's brother Alex. We know that we know that it was Alex. Remember, Charles came at Alex with a baseball bat. Alex shot Charles, which he claimed to be in self-defense. In early October of 2019, Brandon Boudreaux, who was the estranged husband of Lori's niece Melanie, who again shared a lot of Lori's beliefs with her, so Lori and Melanie were kind of partners and buddy buddy in this whole end times orbit that they had. Brandon Boudreaux was shot in his driveway from the backseat of a green Jeep that was registered to Charles, Lori's now-deceased ex-husband. So, Brandon Boudreaux, Melanie's estranged husband, was shot at in his driveway by someone who was driving Charles's Jeep. Charles was, of course, dead, so it was not Charles, but it had to have been someone who was close to Charles and who knew or had access to that vehicle. It was obviously thought that Alex did this. I mean, it, it's, it's a pretty overwhelming consensus um, out there that this was, this was Alex. Uh, this model of Jeep actually had a spare tire on the back. So it was, it was a Jeep Wrangler. And uh, if you're, you know, if you know what the Jeep Wrangler looks like, it, the spare tire is kind of on the, the, the back part of the vehicle, which blocks the rear window from, from opening. So... Back to video evidence of the storage locker that, that Lori and Chad had uh, rented out that, that, that again had all of Kylie and JJ's stuff in it. Video evidence shows that a man who was again believed to be Chad, we don't know for sure, but it's, it's a pretty strong match the height and walk type of, of Chad. Video shows them rolling a spare tire into the storage locker one day before Brandon was shot at. Then Brandon was shot at. And then the very next day, they were seen retrieving this tire from the storage locker itself. So it's almost like they, they took the tire off so that the back window would be able to open. And then once they did it, the very next day, they came back, got the tire again, and reattached it to the Jeep. Doesn't look good. <laughs> also in October 2019, Chad Daybill's wife, Tammy, was also attacked in her driveway by what she believed was a defective paintball marker. The Fremont County Sheriff's Office didn't find the perpetrator, but it was commonly believed to be our boy, Alex. Again, 10 days later, she was found dead in her home. Chad claimed that she went to bed the night before with a, quote, terrible cough, and she died in her sleep a few weeks later on October 19th from, quote, natural causes. No autopsy was initially performed. Chad declined the autopsy, and the coroner didn't overrule his decision. Nothing, nothing really looked suspicious, looked like she died completely of natural causes, but again, this timeline looks very, very suspicious. She died 10 days after she was attacked, again, in her driveway, just like Brandon did, just like Charles was. All of these things are starting to match up and look very, very eerily similar. Two months later, in February 2021, her body was exhumed and an autopsy was finally, finally performed. But again, the findings have not yet been made public, so we don't exactly know what what she died of if, if there was anything suspicious if there was any you know poison in her system uh the only thing we have to go on is chad's report that she had a terrible cough she went to bed the night before and she died shortly thereafter alex cox interestingly died of a blood clot on december 12 2019 one day after the exhumation of tammy's body so he was not able to be questioned by police again Lori has this halo of death every oh so many people in her orbit 
so many people that she knows that she talks with that she meets with that that are in her family her ex-husbands are all dropping dead Lori and chad together have again this this aura of of death and people who are kind of either getting in the way or who perhaps might be a liability later on are dropping off the face of the earth while in Kauai, again Lori and chad abandoned their home and moved to Kauai shortly after these attacks while in Kauai, Lori was served with a court order on January 25th, 2020, ordering her to produce the children within five days. So the police are starting to get very suspicious and, you know, they, they want to know that everything is okay. The family is, you know, screaming that they, they want to know what's going on, where are the children, etc. And so the local police in Hawaii serve Lori with a court order ordering her pro- to produce the children within five days. This, they were served on January 25th. So Lori had until January 30th to produce these children. Police found Tylee's cell phone with Lori's belongings in Hawaii on February 10th, 2020. After failing to produce the children to law enforcement or child welfare authorities by the deadline, Lori was arrested in Princeville, Hawaii on February 20th, 2020. She was charged with two counts of felony desertion and non-support of her dependent children. She was charged with a further three misdemeanors, resisting or obstructing officers, criminal solicitation to commit a crime, and contempt of court, and was held on a $5 million bail. J.J.'s grandmother, Kay Woodcock, who again was Charles's sister, said that the only word that came to mind to describe these events was monster. She was then extradited to Idaho to fight the charges and arrived in Idaho on March 5, 2020. The judge in the case lowered the bail from $5 million dollars to $1 million, and Lori appeared for a court hearing in Rexburg to request a further reduction, but the judge denied this request. On March 24, 2020, official court documents noted that Lori and Chad had become convinced that Tylee and JJ were possessed and had become quote-unquote zombies. So, JJ and Tylee, Chad apparently convinced Lori that they were, they were dark, they were of this earth, and they were followers of Satan that they had become kind of possessed and they, they, they called them zombies. And what they meant by uh, being zombies was that they were not in control. They were not who they should have been. They had been kind of taken over by these dark, evil forces. And they were no longer Tylee and JJ, but they were instead almost demon-possessed. On June 9th of 2020, police executed a search warrant on Chad Daybell's home and discovered the human remains of JJ and Tylee buried in a purported pet cemetery. Chad was arrested later that day on charges of destruction or concealment of evidence and booked into jail on obstruction or concealment of evidence. He was later charged with felony murder. On June 10, 2020, his bail was set at $1 million. This was the same day that Woodcock, who was J.J.'s grandparents, and the Ryan families, confirmed that the human remains found on Daybell's Salem, Idaho property were in fact those of Tylee and JJ. This finding was officially confirmed by the Rexburg Police Department on June 13th, and the investigation is now focused on determining the circumstances surrounding their deaths. So Tylee and JJ were found on Chad's property, and the, it was confirmed that it was their remains on, on June 13th. So Chad had, I don't know, we don't know if he killed them, but I mean, their remains are buried on his property. 
They were dismembered, um, buried in, Chad had kind of this pet cemetery where I guess they buried the family dog and the cats and things like that. Uh, Tylee and JJ's remains were, were found buried with the pets. Um, very sad. Just, they were so young. We don't know exactly how they died. We do know that it is them and where they were found. So Lori and Chad are obviously, you know, incarcerated. They are in custody and we're trying to investigate and figure out what exactly happened. Uh, these, the nature of these investigations, the findings have not been made public yet. So we don't know. Um, once, once we do know something, we will come back and probably do some kind of update on this case. But, uh, the investigation is, is still ongoing and the, the arraignments have happened, but the, the case at the trial has not really started yet. On July 2nd, uh, 2020, prosecutors dropped two of the felony charges against Lori, the two felony counts of desertion and non-support of her dependent children, and instead charged her with obstruction or concealment of evidence in regards to her children's remains. Prosecutors are also considering filing conspiracy to commit murder charges on Lori for her possible involvement in Charles Vallow's death. I said that, you know, there might have been some conspiracy between her and Alex. They might have been working together. They might have planned that. We don't know yet. Uh, police are investigating that possibility. But considering the amount of death surrounding uh, Lori and the amount of involvement that Alex had, it would not be a stretch of the imagination at all for that to have been considered a possibility at, at the very least. It seems almost likely to me that, that they were working in tandem as a team and whatever Lori wanted, whatever, you know, any kind of inconvenience or obstruction that she viewed, she just uh, had Alex remove it. Um, Cold-hearted, no, no empathy, no, no real caring. Uh, just very, very disgusting. Chad and Lori both pleaded not guilty to all charges against them, of course. Uh, Chad's trial was scheduled to begin on January 11th, 2021, and Lori's trial was set for January 25th through 29th of 2021, but their combined trial was rescheduled for July 12th of 2021 and is anticipated to last several weeks. So right as it stands right now, uh, Lori and Chad are going to be tried together. I don't see why that would be a good idea. Um, Apparently, prosecutors think that they might be able to get them both uh, since they were so closely enmeshed in many of the activities that that happened during this case. But uh, I don't know how usual or unusual these these kinds of things are for two alleged murderers to be tried together. Um, From what I understand, most of the time they are tried separately, but there's apparently some kind of strategic motive to bringing them in together. And their, their trial is, is scheduled to start on July 12th, 2021. Uh, both Lori and Chad have made appearances in court at the arraignments. Um, they are still in custody, so they have not been released. Um, but uh, again, this case is, is still very much ongoing. Uh, if we see any kind or come across any kind of new information, we will post an update to this uh, segment. But uh, that's all we got for now. Um, we'll keep you posted. Hopefully we will, you know, know a little bit more as the, as the facts begin to break in this case. But, uh, Tylee and JJ have been found. Their bodies, their remains have been identified. Uh, who was responsible, how it happened, where it happened, when it happened. 
all of these things uh, we we do not know yet, but we will do our best to stay on top of this and we will keep you posted. I hope you have enjoyed this case. Uh, again, it's very, very complicated. It's hard to follow. Um, did the best that we could. Hopefully you're, you were able to kind of make a little bit more sense of this. Um, again, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of videos and a lot of other podcast episodes. I think there's even a podcast that specializes in the Lori Fallow case called, uh, Mommy Doomsday. Uh, we listened to a couple of episodes, very, very excellent. So very well researched. Um, that podcast is devoted completely to this case. So if this, uh, if this case was interesting to you, I would highly suggest that you, that you check that podcast out. Um, it will most definitely give you quite a bit more information than we were able to give you here in this one single episode. But uh, there's a lot of videos out there. There's a lot of articles written. So a whole lot of information. I know it's hard to kind of keep track of of the timeline and, and who everyone is and making sure that, you know, that this person matches up with this person. But again, being able to put a face to the name uh, really does help keep things straight in your mind. So again, if this, if this was interesting to you, you might want to go check out some, some videos. Definitely check out the podcast, Mommy Doomsday. Uh, it's, uh, it's very, very good. They are very well researched. Um, but that's all that I have for you. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. Um, I know it's kind of been a convoluted run of consciousness, but uh, hopefully it's made some, a little bit more sense. Hopefully we were able to give you some information that, uh, that everyone else was not. Um, take care. Hope you guys, uh, have a great rest of the week. Next, uh, next episode will be, uh, Mara Murray. So, uh, there's been a lot of information on her as well. So if you want our take on that, uh, please stay tuned. Uh, a lot of interesting, almost kind of creepy things going on with that, that it's a very unnerving case. Uh, a lot of, there's been some taunting of the family by at least one person on YouTube um, that is very creepy. It, it gives me kind of chills and just an icky feeling. But yeah, Mara Murray's on deck. So uh, stay tuned and uh, we will see you. See you next time. All right. Bye-bye. This has been The Investigation Guru, hosted by Sean and Dana. A presentation of Red Door Investigations in the DFW Metroplex of Texas, specializing in infidelity, fraud, child custody, missing persons, and more. Check out our website at reddoorinvestigations.com or on social media at Red Door PI. For more fascinating deep dives into real true crime, subscribe to the show today. Many elements of an investigation have to remain secret, but not this podcast. Our best advertising has always been word of mouth, so please share the feed with a friend today. And if you'd like to support the show, we offer some goodies on our Patreon at patreon.com slash invgurupod. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.